Welcome to Journey Through the Bible with Joshua Smith. The Bible is the single most important book in history. It is the very words of God put on paper. In this podcast, we will walk through the pages of His Word as we seek to understand His message to us. In Isaiah 55:11, God says, My word that proceeds from my mouth will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I please, and it will prosper where I send it. As we study His Word, He will accomplish within us what He desires. That is our prayer. That is the journey. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Journey Through the Bible, where we love diving into the Word of God because we know that it is God's revelation of Himself to us. Hey guys, this is Josh. I'm so excited that you've joined me on this episode of Journey Through the Bible. Up till now, we've been really doing a deep dive into, into the book of Matthew. We have looked at the first four and a half chapters. We finished up the Beatitudes in Matthew 5 uh, two episodes ago, but we're going to take a break from Matthew for a little bit and go a few pages over to the right in the New Testament to the book of Ephesians. And so this episode is just going to be a broad overview introduction. We're going to talk about some of the themes, some of the important lessons, some of the words um, and stuff we're going to see uh, as we look at the book of Ephesians. If this is something you enjoy, I encourage you and I ask you, uh, rate it, review it, uh, share it with your friends, because I know that God's word as it, it is, as it is brought forth will not return void. And that is my, my goal, my heart in this is that I teach faithfully the word of God and that we all grow together. We all grow deeper in Christ as we look at his word together. As we look at Ephesians, Ephesians was written by Paul probably somewhere around 61 AD. So we're talking just a couple years before before his death. It was written to the church in Ephesus, and it was more than likely not specifically just to the church in Ephesus, but it was more than likely a regional letter. You see, Ephesus was the, the fourth largest city in the world at the time, uh, probably around 250,000 people. And it was one of those mixing pot areas. There was a lot of trade routes that came through uh, Ephesus, and so if it happened in Ephesus, it was more likely going to spread to the surrounding region. And so by Paul sending it to this church and to this region, he was sending it to a large group of people. Because in, in Ephesus, there was a large pagan presence. And, and when we, we, we speak of pagan, we understand that that are people who serve polytheistic gods and who are, who are in no way connected to the one true God. Uh, there was about 50 pagan temples in Ephesus. The largest one in the world uh, was there in Ephesus. It was to Diana, the fertility goddess. That temple was actually one of the uh, one of the ancient wonders of the world. And so Paul started the church in Ephesus in one of his missionary journeys. And if you're familiar with the book of Acts, these next names are going to be familiar. Aquila, Priscilla, and Timothy all ministered at some point in time at the church in Ephesus. And even the apostle John spent a good amount of time ministering at the church in Ephesus. There, there's a, some major happenings and major events and major people that played a part in the church uh, church in Ephesus. Here's the, the one thing I love about, well, one among many that I love about Ephesians is, unlike some of the other epistles, epistles uh, Paul wasn't correcting any wrongs. He, it wasn't like the, the book of Corinthians where he's having to really bring down the law, so to speak, 
um, and say, hey, you got you got to get this corrected. You got to fix this. You got to stop doing that. You better stop doing this and so on and so forth. He, he doesn't have to do that here in Ephesians. He's not correcting any wrongs. And as a result, because he's not having to correct any wrongs, he's able to spend a little bit more time uh, going beyond just just correction and really focus on how to thrive in the faith. Well, what, what does it look like to be saved, right? We're, we're saved, but then to go beyond that, and what's our Christian life supposed to look like? What is our life as believers, as followers of Jesus, together supposed to look like? And Paul is really able to focus on that heavily in Ephesians because he's not having to spend any time uh, correcting, correcting any wrongs. And so he really spends some time focusing on how to thrive in, in the faith. The, the major theme of the book, and this is kind of the direction I'm going to bring this, this podcast from for Ephesians, is the power and authority of Jesus and his gospel and the exhibition of that power in our lives and through our lives. So it's the power and authority of Jesus and his gospel and the exhibition of that power in our lives and through our lives. This is really, really important. As I mentioned just a, just a minute or two ago, uh, Ephesus had a large pagan presence. And so that's why we read in Ephesians, as we're going to get to later on in Ephesians 6, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, right? We, we see this darkness in Ephesus, and Paul says that darkness is real. That, that darkness is real, that the enemy does have power to an extent, but Jesus is more powerful. Jesus holds the true authority. Jesus holds the greater power. Jesus is greater than and more powerful than the darkness that you see around you. And so this would be an extremely encouraging message to the people in Ephesus and the surrounding regions. These people, they'd be going to work every day and when you have 50, temp- 50 pagan temples in the city, you're bound to pass by at least one of them on your way to work or throughout your daily lives. And so I can just imagine the people of Ephesus and the surrounding area reading this book and thinking about what they're seeing in their daily lives. Reading this book about Jesus having the power and Jesus holding the authority and Jesus working his power in us and through us as they're seeing with their own eyes the darkness of the world around them. And so this is a huge, huge aspect of Ephesians, is that Jesus holds the power and Jesus holds the authority. We can really split up the book into two parts in regards to this. Chapters 1 through 3 really uh, give us an example or give us a, a demonstration of what the power of the gospel looks like, what it is and what it looks like and how it works. And then four through six, chapter four through six is a discussion on how that power changes us. So the first half of the book, chapter one, two, and three, we, we are seeing the power of the gospel at work. We are seeing this power that Jesus is working in us at work. And then chapter four through six, well, here's what it looks like. When Jesus works his power in us, here are the effects. Here's how it changes us. Here's how it molds us. Here's how it pushes us to be followers of Christ. This power that we're talking about, it's held by Jesus. Jesus holds the power and authority, but this power was given to him by the Father. 
We see that very clearly in, in chapter 1, verse 19, where Paul is telling us he wants us to see the immeasurable greatness of his power. And he's speaking of the Father here, of the Father's power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand. And he put all things under his feet. Right. So this is a description of the Father giving the Son this power. So the Son, that is Jesus, holds this power that is given to him by the Father. And this power is effectuated within us, the believer, by the Spirit of God. So this power is held by Jesus. It is given to Jesus by the Father. And it is effectuated within us by the Spirit. And this power being given, given by Jesus or given to Jesus by the Father uh, brings to mind for me this fact that we must remember that salvation is us being reconciled to the Father. Right? That's, that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. It is us being reconciled to the Father through Jesus. Right? We're being reconciled to the Father. And this power does some wonderful things for us. And that's one of, we're, we're going to talk about this throughout Ephesians, how it's incredible that how Jesus works on our behalf and how he works this power on our behalf. So I want us to remember that because that's something that we're going to come back to again and again throughout the study of Ephesians is how we see this power that Jesus holds and how he works it on our behalf and how he works it in us and through us for our benefit. And it's all for his glory. This power that Jesus holds is effectuated in us by the Spirit of God. We can see in chapter 1, verse 13 through 14, this discussion that Paul gives us that says, Hey, the Spirit of God is given to you as a seal, as a guarantee of the salvation that Jesus has promised you. The Father gives us the Spirit to, to give us like that assurance that the work of Jesus was enough. That the salvation, that the, the, the work of Christ on the cross was sufficient for our, for our salvation. It's the down payment of our eternal gift of God, right? It's the, the Spirit of God is the down payment of the eternal gift of grace. When you read, when you read this first chapter, which we'll do together the, the next episode, uh, but you can feel the excitement of Paul talking about this in Ephesians, this power that Jesus is holding and working in us and through us, because he wants us to realize that this power that he is writing about, that Jesus holds, has been put into effect on our behalf. We can see that this power is put into work to exhibit salvation. Right? This power is put to work in our lives to save us, save us from the darkness, to save us from our sins, to save us from an eternity in hell. So this power is exhibited and shown forth to us to exhibit the salvation of the Father. This power also exhibits his love. This power exhibits his love that he, he came down out of heaven. He humbled himself. He became flesh. He became man. He was crucified. And yet he rose again on the third day in power. All to show us his love. And another thing about this power that I love is this power is measured out according to not anything that we deserve, not anything, not according to anything that we can bring to the table, but this power is measured out according to the riches of his grace and his glory. That's a phrase that we see quite often throughout the book of Ephesians. We see this, this phrase, according to his riches, or according to his grace, according to the riches of his glory. 
We see that in chapter 1, verse 7, we have redemption according to the riches of his grace. Isn't that wonderful that our redemption is according to his riches of his grace? Our redemption is not according to anything that I've brought to the table. But it's according to his riches of his grace. 118 says, I pray that you will know what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance. Chapter 2, verse 7, Paul is invoking this prayer that he might show, the Father might show the surpassing riches of his grace to us. In 3.16, Paul again prays that he would grant you, that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory. So that phrase is is seen quite often through Ephesians, and it's such a wonderful phrase because it, it takes us out of the picture. And it helps us to see how far God was willing to go to save us and how far Christ was willing to go to save us and how far he's still going to this day to chase after us. And it's all according to the riches of his grace and his glory. Nothing that I can do. It's all it's all him. Paul focused on the power and authority of Jesus again in light of the pagan presence in Ephesus and the surrounding area. It was an encouraging message to the Ephesians. It was encouraging because they saw the darkness around them. And guys, we, we, we see the same darkness around us. We may not see it in, in the same form. We're, we're not walking past pagan temples, but we see the same darkness. We see this darkness in the division in the world around us. We see this darkness in the blatant sin in the world around us. We see this darkness in the way evil is sometimes celebrated in the world around us. We see the same darkness, and so we receive the same encouragement that Paul was bringing to the church of Ephesus. We receive it, too, that Jesus' power is greater, and Jesus is the one who holds all authority in his hand, and he is working that power and that authority in us and through us for our benefit, for his glory. You see, this power, it saves us. It saves us. Chapter 1, verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Chapter 2, verse 5, God made us alive together with Christ. This is, this is how his power is working in us. Right? Verse, chapter 2, verse 8, By grace you are saved. Chapter 2, verse 13, you have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is how the power that Jesus is holding is worked out in our lives. He's working in our lives to save us, to redeem us. This power also makes us new. Chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Chapter 4, verse 24, talks about putting on the new self. Well, where do we get this new self? It is created by the power of God within us. Chapter 5, verse 8, you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Look at the power of Christ in our lives. He changes us. He changes our very nature. He changes the very essence of of our being. We live in a world around us that says, no, you can't change. Just be who you are. You are who you are. That, that, that can't change. But Jesus came and he says, no, I can change who you are. And that's what we see here in Ephesians. 
5 and 8, right? You were formerly darkness. You were one thing, but now you are light in the Lord. But the power of Christ has come upon you and he has changed you. So you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Jesus changed the very essence of your being. You see, who you were before Christ does not matter. From now on, it is about who I am in Christ. This is such a wonderful message in Ephesians. Who I was before Christ doesn't matter. Who I am in Christ now is what matters. And really, even further than that, who we are in Christ is what matters. Because this life that we live, we, we don't live on our own. And that brings us to the next the next working or the next outworking of, of the power of Christ that we see in Ephesians. And that is the power to make us one. The, the power to make us one. Chapter 2, verse 14 says that for he himself is our peace who made both groups, speaking of the Jew and the Gentile, who prior to prior to the new covenant were two separate groups, right? And didn't really care for each other. But Jesus, the power of Jesus working in us has made both groups one, again, chapter 2, verse 14, and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. Chapter 2, verse 19, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens. 3 and 6 says the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body. Chapter 4, verse 3 says to be diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So not only does this power that Jesus holds save us, not only does it make us new, but it also makes us one. You see, our faith is is not a private faith. It must be personal faith, but it cannot be private. It is a corporate faith, and we have a corporate relationship and a corporate responsibility to each other. We have a responsibility to our brothers and sisters in Christ. We have a responsibility to each other. And the, this is where we see the power of Christ working so strongly, right? The world around us is so divided. We're divided over everything. There's, there, there's barely anything that you can say in a public forum that is, does not bring division anymore. And it is in this world of division where the unity that comes under the cross of Christ can be such a great testimony to the world around us. Oh God, that you would bring this unity that we see here in Ephesians, this oneness, Lord, bring it to our lives because that's what's going to show the world around us the power of Christ. That we can be one. That we can be one. Right? The goal of salvation is not simply to make us right with God, but the goal of salvation is to make us right with each other. So we see the power of God saves us. The power of God makes us new. The power of God makes us one. And then we end the book of Ephesians talking about how the power of God strengthens us. Ephesians 6 goes into this wonderful, wonderful discussion on the armor of God and how the armor of God strengthens us. And all of this, and I want to make sure that, and we'll hit this very hard throughout the entire entirety of our study. There's so much of this that, guys, we don't bring anything of this to the table. This is the power of God working in us. This is the power of God working through us. I'm saved not by my own strength, but I'm saved by the grace of God. I'm saved by the power of God. I am not making myself new. 
I am not through my own efforts and through my own strength changing who, who I am. But it is the power of Christ working in me that makes me new because I am his workmanship, right? He is working on me. It is this, his power that is making me new. I don't have to strive for unity and strive for, for oneness in my own strength, in my, in my own ability. But I can do that all through the power of Christ. I can seek after unity with the power of Christ as my driving force. It is the power of Christ that does this. It is the power of Christ that strengthens us. So I'm really excited to get into the book of Ephesians. I am very excited. Uh, so I hope you are as well. I hope you join me with every episode. Again, this is going to be 10, 10 episodes long. So we're going we're gonna to have some opportunity to really, really dive deep into, into Ephesians um, as, we, as we do so. All right. Thanks for listening. God bless.